I was being sarcastic. <laughs> I was being, I was a joke, Robbie. The sea by desire is always to be. All right, that's enough. Get it off. People can only hold. This is not. I, you know, this. I was joking. I do love this song, but it's not a. It's not a rejoin. Three oh six. Thank you for listening, though. There are people like there are people like Marco who read between the lines, and then there's Rami's. Oh, there's the Rami of the world who just takes everything you say quite literally. That's the yings and yangs of the world. I love it. But yes, Mole of Kintyre, a huge hit abroad, not so much here in the United States. One of his biggest hits in the UK. It was a number one forever. It was an enormous hit in England and, and Ireland, not so much in America. A very, uh, a very rather almost unknown to many, uh, even you know Paul McCartney fans uh, here in this country. Again, I don't know why I'm talking about this, but I am. Uh, but Mullen Cattell is nice. Uh, he's got a great voice. You, you listen to Paul McCartney saying you just... Close your eyes and feel the breeze and just relax. Nothing like it. Anyways, let's talk about the Rangers for a second. 877-337-6666. Pat, I see you. We're not going to be long here. We're going to get back to the calls. Giants, really anything you want, we'll open it up here. The Super Bowl. Um, baseball always plays with me. You know that. I can't wait. We are counting down the days to Valentine's Day. Why? So I can spend seven fifty on a Valentine's Day card for my wife and my mother? No. That's not why I'm counting down the days of Valentine's Day. It's because pitchers and catchers report, baby. And baseball season needs to start ASAP. And Sunday, sometime around 10 p.m., I'm going to send out my favorite tweet of the year that it is officially baseball season at the end of the Super Bowl. But it is currently Knicks season. It is currently Rangers season. And right now, the Rangers get a great win against the Avs. Lafonniere with the game-winning goal. I thought he played great all game. He had a couple of good chances. Um, of course, the Rangers continue to get excellent goaltending against them on a nightly basis. But um, they come back. They were pretty much outplayed for almost, I don't know, 75 to 80% of the game. Uh, the Cavs, uh, the Cavs, the Avs had the, the better feel of it. And they come back, tie the game in the third, win the game in overtime. And get a much-needed two points off the break. They hadn't played in nine days. But the story coming out of the game is how well Quick has played for them as the backup goalie. Obviously, a guy who's had a remarkable career, uh, won, won a Stanley Cup, maybe even two. I should have double-checked before I started yapping. But with L.A., he's been, you know, he was a, a great goalie for them. And he has done a remarkable job as the backup goalie here. And I said weeks ago, I've been saying it for a while, that – while playing sporadically, Quick has been the more consistent goaltender over Igor. Quick, when he's gotten his opportunities, there has very rarely been a stinker out of Quick this year. He has played remarkably well. He has played remarkably well. And, oh man, St. Peter's in the middle of my, this guy, they have a Sergeant Pepper band, right? What am I doing? Okay, I can't, I got to stop. I get hung up on this stuff. Yeah, Sergeant Pepper's Only Hearts Club band on the drums here on the on the football. What is this? Blue Meanies is a whole Beatles themed thing. This is the Love Show in Vegas. Tremendous. 
for opening night here at the Super Bowl, they had the Love Show come out. Uh, were they doing all the different Vegas shows? The Love Show is tremendous. You haven't seen it. I'm sorry to get sidetracked here, but I'm watching the highlights. I'm talking about the Beatles. Yeah, Beatles love. You got to go see it. Now, here comes Andy Reid. I am the walrus. Cuckoo, cuckoo. That just, I'm, I didn't mean to make fun of him again, but that just, when they're doing Beatles-themed stuff and Andy Reid walks out, you do I am the walrus. I, uh, you have to make that joke with that beautiful mustache his. But Quick has been the more, I'm, I'm a little all over the place. Quick has been a little more consistent of a, you know, a goalie here. He has been tremendous for the Rangers. And while Igor has been kind of up and down. And I've been saying it for a while. I've been concerned about his play. And yet again here, the Rangers, uh, thankfully, I talked about this last night. They won a game without a power play goal, which has been something they haven't been able to do. They've been so reliant on their power play this year. And that scares me. And the thing, listen, I understand how important special teams are in the the playoffs. And you're going to need some power play goals. But you're also going to need to be able to get by without them. And typically when they get into the playoffs, I know it's a different team. I know it's a different coach. I understand it. it's not the same team. It's not Stepan and, and Callahan and, and some of those, those teams that I remember going to the Garden all those times and was constantly in the playoffs every year. And it was about blocking shots and they were playing these tight games and every game was 2-1. But these games get tight. They, these games get tight in the postseason. And you need to be able to score without the power play and you need Igor Shosturkin, uh, Shosturkin to be... The same goal he was two years ago. And quite honestly, he just hasn't been. And to even now, I understand he went and he was part of the All-Star festivities and he's flying back and forth. But to even start the year off a nine-game gap without, you know, to start it with quick, I thought was a little bit of a, I don't want to say a statement, but, you know, and and Valakat talked about after the game um, about how, you know, he wanted to give the, the goalie a little bit of time and, you know, let him work on some things with his co- with the coaching staff. But clearly right now, Igor has just not been himself. And, you know, Steve Valaket, an analyst for the Rangers, even came up with the thought that quick – and he said it like in the middle of doing the highlights. And I, I wait, what? The idea that maybe Quick should be the goalie for a while at least. Not, you know, obviously, you know, there is no just playing the goalie every night. And I and I think part of the reason why Quick has probably been so effective this year is the idea that he's not playing every night at his age necessarily. But right now, maybe you try and motivate Igor by taking some, you know, let him sit for a while. Let him think about it. Let him work with some coaches. Let Quick play more often. Like, certainly at least start to play him more often. And they talked about it in the post game, and even Hank was saying it's not like it was um, a handful of years ago. It wasn't like it was in his heyday. Like, it was a disrespectful thing. The league's changed a little bit. They don't look at it that way. You're trying to, the point is, you're trying to get Igor to be his best. I don't think anybody really thinks that the Rangers will go into a play. I mean, unless, unless it really just starts to, you know, really roll on itself and really starts to become something where quick is just phenomenal night in and night out. I don't think anyone really thinks that they should give the starting goalie over to quick long-term, even for this year. But in the short term, you're trying to motivate Igor. And a couple weeks ago, it was playing more, play him as much as possible. Let him get into a rhythm that hasn't, that's clearly not worked. Now it's the idea of, Hey, let's piss him off. 
I think everything Steve Ellicott said was 100% correct. Because something's up with Igor. And if Quick is going to play like this, and they're going to win games like this, where they're getting outplayed for 80% of it, and they just found a way to get enough scoring, send it to overtime and get a, a game winner from Lafreniere. And he made two back-to-back really great saves in overtime to save them. I mean, Quick was really good in this game. And for me, I think it makes a lot of sense to play him as much as possible and let Igor watch for a while. There's nothing wrong with it. I mean, there's a lot of games. There'll be time to get him back in. I, I don't. Again, I don't think anyone is really suggest suggesting. At least I'm not. I don't think anyone is really suggesting to have a complete switch at the goalie position. But in the short term, like it's time to try and motivate Igor and and really focus on how to get the best out of him. And maybe taking some ice time away and maybe watching Quick run this team and maybe watching Quick win games and play well and motivate him can be a way to do it because they need him. They desperately need him because let's be honest with the with the the lack of power they the lack of uh, firepower they have in the back two lines with the idea that right now five on five they're an average team at best they rely so much on their power play this team needs they need top notch Igor and goal or they're not going to accomplish what we all hope they can accomplish and the early start of this year can be just that the early start of the year because we all know. Like you look at the rest of the, the you know the NHL, we saw what happened last year when they were absolutely dominating the Devils for the first two games. Like they, they, I'm sorry that that's pretty much the same team. I mean, you still had Kreider, you still had Zabanajad. You know, the bread man was still there, and he he scores the goal to tie it in the third. Like he's been incredible this year, but ultimately they rely too much on their power play to not have consistent goalie play. And Igor is a major problem right now. And for the first time, um, Laviolette, I think I said uh, Valaket before. I was I was thinking about him. But Laviolette, for the first time, kind of gave you a glimpse into the idea that maybe they realize it too. Like they need him to be more consistent. And you know what? Starting right out of the gate off an eight game, and I understand that he was part of the festivities, but it wasn't like he was out there playing games. You know, he, had a fly, he, had a, he had to take a couple flights. And he got... You know, but Quick was obviously more rested, and they talked about working with stuff like they're they're talking about the idea that right now Quick might give them a better chance to win. So for a Rangers team that has all our hopes, for a Rangers team that is in first place, for a Rangers team that was talked about just a mere few weeks ago, as we were trying to figure out as our two football teams were failing. Who's the next team? What's the next chance to possibly give us a championship? And the rote answer was just the Rangers. The Rangers. Look at them. They're 18-4. The Rangers. The Rangers. You know, Panarin's got, what, 15 straight games with a point? You know, he's he's incredible. The Rangers. The Rangers. The Rangers. Well, you know what? Over the last 15 or so games, they're 500. And right now, it looks like the backup goalie is the better option in the short term. So there's still a lot to do there. You feel good about them. They built themselves up a cushion. Why not try this? Why not do something to get the best out of Igor? Because that's what they'll need come playoff time. 877-337-6666. Let's get to the calls. Pat in the Bronx is on the phone. What's up, Pat? Well, Chris, I called you to be educated. 
Oh, and well, uh, I need to be educated on hockey because I really don't watch it. I can't follow the puck. I can't see the goal until they show the replay. So I don't see. I understand. Yeah, That's okay. Little... You can talk about whatever you want. I can educate you on anything. <laughs> well, educate me on the. I can't really educate you on I, your eyesight, though. That's just no, something no, I, well, I can't do. I can't do from the phone, at least. No, I understand. The, the, the Beatles. Let's talk about the Beatles. Okay, for a second. second. And I'm sorry to interrupt that that segment to do that, but I just happened. No, no, I, I, I don't mind. I, I just wanted to uh, ask you a question. Yes. Um, there was a book called uh, Shout, which was written years ago. Sorry, yes. the Beatles, uh, written by an insider or someone who knew. Uh, yeah, yeah, it's one of their more famous. Uh, Biographies, uh, biographies right? yes. And the claim of the author, I think, was that John Lennon was 75% of the Beatles. Do you agree? Um, is, is that really a claim that he was 75% of the Beatles? I, I heard it. I think I read it in that book, but I'm not sure. Uh, I, I definitely heard it somewhere. I mean, I know J Paul McCartney is a lie, but I, I remember when John Lennon was assassinated, they had a, a, a top 10 special with uh, Casey Kasem doing a tribute to John Lennon. Yeah. And, he, and he closed the tribute by saying, John Lennon, uh, you say yes, I say no, you say stop, and I say go, John Lennon. That's a McCartney tune. Yeah. McCartney wrote jingles. He always wrote jingles. He, well, McCartney, yeah, I mean, to get into it for a second, yes, McCartney was the much, 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 much better uh, melody writer. Right. I think that's that was his specialty. Still to this day, he's just an inc sometimes the lyrics get sappy. Uh, people get on him for that, and even during the Beatles, yeah, the more you know, um, living is easy with eyes closed, misunderstanding all you see. That's a John Lennon line. Like he yeah. was, a, he was. You could argue, I think, very. You know, you'd have a very good argument that lyrically, John Lennon was was better than Paul McCartney. But uh, I think Paul McCartney was very good lyrically. He got you know a little more sappy late in life, but melody wise and tune wise, yeah. When you walk away from a Beatles song whistling it, most likely it's a McCartney tune. But right, I, yeah, to, I think to, the melodies definitely stick in your head. No doubt, but, he's a great. He's one yeah. of the great melody makers uh, in in music history. But but do do lyrics do lyrics bring longevity? It's like poetry. Yeah, I think so. Absolutely. Don't yeah. lyrics like outlast the life of the of the performer? Whereas yes. the melodies get repeated and covered and sampled. Well, and, so. Yeah, I understand your point. Yeah, the the melodies do get, and there are lawsuits a lot of them. But yes. But I, I I don't I don't agree that the melodies get lost over time. No, uh, I think yesterday is you know yesterday's just as beautiful as scrambled eggs as it is with yesterday. Like, it is very just, beautiful. But um, no. I seventy five percent maybe early on he was clearly the leader of the band when they first started. Right. Uh, he was you know he was the impetus of of getting that band off the ground, and I think he had an ambition to be famous. And then once he got there, his ambition really waned. Where Paul continued to want to make great music, and and Paul yeah. and John just wanted to. Uh, Kind of in, enjoy himself and and you know write music a, as he goes, but he had other interests, making movies, you know, and and different things. Where Paul still wanted to make music, but uh, John was definitely a driving force behind them becoming the Beatles, no doubt. So, uh, and I think Paul McCartney is almost like a factory. He just could keep cranking stuff out, getting melodies out, and even when he started to do his solo stuff, he had to have three different melodies in one song, and just and just I have this beautiful melody. I want to put this beautiful melody. This yeah, beautiful I mean, yeah, that was the and and thank you for the call. That was that's obviously a lot to do with the second half of Abbey Road, where they just they got to a point where they were writing these songs, didn't finish them, wanted to put them out, and just smashed them together. Now I think it makes the best second half album in in rock history. Uh, if you listen to John, he thinks it was absolute crap that they just put a mismatch together. But you know it is what it is. And um, they probably would have continued making music like that, I think, a little bit. But Paul had done that too, yeah. And and famously with with uh, a day in the life, Paul had that little bit. John had his bit. They just mashed it together and made arguably the greatest Beatles song there is. And 
when Paul did go solo, he did do things like that. He would, you know, he had on Red Rose Speedway, he has that three song melody that's about 10 minutes. Uh, he would do that a lot. Um, Treat her gently and um, uh, Lonely Old People that he mixed together uh, for two different songs on um, Venus and Mars. Like he did, he did a lot of stuff like that. But um, yes, I don't think. If you if you when you say John's seventy five percent of the Beatles, if you mean he's seventy five percent of the great music, that I will hundred percent fight to the day I die with you over. If you want to say he's seventy five percent of why the Beatles became the Beatles, early on he was that impactful. He was the leader of the band. He was older than John than Paul. He was the leader. Him and Stu Sutcliffe were kind of the leaders of the band. Certainly John was even after Stu. You know, even when Stu Sutcliffe left, John was the leader. Paul joined John's band. He was older. Paul looked up to him. So he might be 75% of the reason they became the Beatles and for Beatlemania, but 75% of the music? No, that's crazy talk. 877-337-6666. Ah, the Beatles segments. It comes and goes every once in a while. But, yeah, um, to get back to sports for a second, I do feel like Igor is an issue now. Igor is an issue. And I was, I was, you know, I'm talking to some Ranger fans, and there's a, you know, there's a, there's a a, war, a worry or a wonder if he has that fight in him. And I think that this is what I like about it is this will test that. Like I think if Laviolette decides to do it, right, and they give him, they give Quick the majority of the play here, and I don't know for for two weeks, three weeks, whatever it is. He's, you know, working with the coaches and taking some time and getting less ice time and Quick's taking over as kind of the lead goalie here. I want to see how he responds. I want to see if Igor has that fire in him. I want to see if this does piss him off. Like, I want to I want to, I want to, see what this could bring from Igor. I want to see the reaction if they decide to do it. I know Rami has been talking about this for a while. What do you think on uh, making the transition to possibly having quick as the lead goalie here for a little bit. I think for a period. And and that's yeah. what Valak has said. He said earlier in the year, he said, play Igor a bunch of games in a row to get him going. Right. And that, and didn't, that work. didn't work. So yeah, I think just, to, and it's kind of a similar role that quick played last year with Vegas. Right. So it's the same type of thing where if he's hot, play the hot hand, there's no necessarily starter or not. Obviously, like right. you said, once they're in the playoffs, if they want to go where they need to go, the way to do that is to have Igor at his no best doubt. at the top of his game. And by the way, Quick also had the game-winning assist on that last goal. I saw that. So, yeah. Uh, he had the game-winning assist on the last goal, which is obviously easier in uh, OT with less men on the ice. And I think it it gave him like 25 for his career. And I think Hank said in the postgame he only had he had one more assist. He, had, than, he said he had 27 but then right. there was some joke in there about him only having twenty six out of, or yeah, it was. I guess. Well, I think he, I think he said they had one more than his brother, right? Was that it? His brother played in the oh, NHL okay. for a short so period of time. Yes, yeah, so was not a goal, was not a goalie right. though. Was a, you know, was a legit was a was you know a forward or a center or whatever. And but, that's how Hank knew it off the top of his head. Yeah, because yep. it's a joke inside the family that I played goalie, still had more assists than you. Yes, um, but do you, uh, do you question the internal fire of Igor? It's weird because it does seem like sometimes when he gets fired up more into it, he plays better. Like one game I could think of off the top of my head was the game where it was overtime against Boston a couple of years ago and they made him come off the ice because of the concussion and I was there and, and he was he slams his stick against the glasses going and then he comes back for the shootout 
and that was incredible. He stopped all three of the games yeah. over. I think he stopped a bunch of shots because I think no one scored right. early. It was yeah. So I think firing him up could work. But at the same time, this is a guy. He was just at the All Star game. Like this is no, a guy who's really good. Yeah. And you just want to see him at the top of his game, and you wonder what's going on sometimes, and you wonder throughout his career. Look at what happened in the Pittsburgh series. In yeah, the early on in that Pittsburgh ago. series, yeah, like, he was awful. What was going on with him there? Where the guy who played against the Rangers tonight, Georgiev, had to come in and pretty much save them in that series a couple right. of times. So I don't know. Yeah, it's it's curious. It is curious. They got to figure this thing out, though. Uh, let's get back to the call, Stuart in Brooklyn. What's up, Stupot? Yeah, good morning. How are you? I'm doing well, buddy. How are you? Talking about my real favorite subject, Beatles. Is that your favorite subject? Well, February 9th is what day? February 9th would be the anniversary of the Ed Sullivan Show. Yeah, and I saw it. And um, like I said to my mother when I first heard She Loves You on December 31st of 1963, (laughs) I said to my mom, this is not a fad. Well, you were right. You were right. I'm not taking credit for that. Don't get me wrong. But uh, there was just something about them that was really spectacular. And you're right. At first, it was John. He was more of the leader. But like in around 65 or 66, Paul started to take over the leadership role because he was more interested in doing more well, after after music. yeah, after their manager died, after Brian Epstein died, Paul kind of took over the reins of trying to right. be the leader. Because he... Otherwise, they wouldn't it, have made nearly as much music as they made. No, they wouldn't have, of course not, because John was more relaxed, and he was more uh, happy with what they were doing. But Paul pushed them to where they, where they eventually ended up as the best rock and roll band that we'll ever see. Yeah. Nothing's I, even close. I agree with you. I agree with you, Stu, and thank you for the call. I agree. I do agree. The best ever. And I do agree. Listen, and that was part of that was the beginning of the downfall. When once Brian Epstein died, they weren't going to last very long. Someone had to take over. They got into business ventures. They started Apple, which was a disaster. Um They weren't good businessmen. They were musicians. And once someone had to try and take over, and I think Paul took over, and everybody resented him for it. John started to resent him for it. George certainly started to resent him for it. And, uh, you know, Paul was probably a little bit of a, you know, jerk. I'm sure he was. I'm sure he was, certainly to George, who he was older than, and they always had that big brother, little brother relationship. And when you're George Harrison, and you're writing number one singles, and you can go work with someone else, and they're, oh, my God, it's George Harrison, and you're like the biggest star in the room, and then why, why come back in, work with the Beatles, and get talked to like a little brother? The dynamic started to change and made it impossible to continue on. And that's our Beatle lesson for the day. 329, McMonagle here with you, 877-337-6666. I'll take your calls on the Beatles. I see you guys still making them. What the hell? It's 3.30 in the morning. I see Mike wants to talk about the Super Bowl. We'll get into the game a little bit. We'll get into the Yankees and their bullpen. Bobby Witt Jr. My man, Bobby Witt Jr. That's the best baseball card I ever got. I got an auto. Bobby Witt Jr., Chrome. Sold it for a nice little penny. Got me hooked on the card game. But Bobby Witt Jr. of the Kansas City Royals signs a long-term deal. What it could mean for a current Yankee. 877-337-6666. And maybe we'll even touch on WWE. As we saw Monday night, we even got Rocky Sucks chance. As everybody is, everyone who's into wrestling, everybody's just, 
up in arms at the idea that Cody Rhodes is not going to finish his story against Roman Reigns at WrestleMania. How do I know this? I have children. How do I know about the Beatles? I had a father. That's how it works. You're getting the entire McMonagall generations. You, you stay long enough, you get the entire McMonagall family tree. We'll talk wrestling for my kids. We'll talk Beatles for my dad. And we'll talk baseball for me. Although that's probably my dad, too. 877-337-6666. Continue to take your phone calls next as we rock and roll with you all the way to 5 o'clock in the morning right here on The Fan. Yeah, listen, I'm a biggie guy, too. I know all the... I was actually thinking about... This is one of the things... I want to start a new segment... I'm going to call it Thoughts from the Road and things that I think about as I'm driving in. And I was thinking about a lyric from a Biggie song that I have that it doesn't make any sense to me. There's a song he does called The Ten Crack Commandments. Never get high on your own supply? No. Not, I have no problem with that. It makes sense. Here's the issue I have with the lyrics. And I'm not going to get into what the rules are because um, I'll, I'm afraid I'll, you know, say a curse word or something. But... When he's he in the song, he lists all the different rules of being in the, the drug game. And at one point he goes, number nine should have been number one to me. It's your list, bud. Who's stopping you? If nine should have been number one, make it number one. You, he prefaces the whole song as he, I've got this list for you to help you out. It's my list. I'm going to make sure you get your game on point. Nine should have been number one to me. Well, then make it number one. Who's stopping you? I mean, if you can't even make your own list, then why have the song? Why have a list if you're forced to put number nine and number nine when you wanted to make it one? I just, I, I never understood it. Nine should have been number one to me. If you're not getting in trouble, stay away from the police, which it's a good rule. But if you if you think it's number one, then make it number one. That's the only thing I had. A, these are the things I think about in the car. What about family and business don't mix? Do you agree with that? Yeah, I agree. I listen. I, like I agree. Line there. Uh, yeah, let's let's not get into. If you know the song, yeah, I don't want to get into the analogy that he uses. But uh, my point, I have no problem with any of the actual items on the list. It's I have no idea. This I I tuned in because he's an expert on the situation. I have no idea. I'm I'm granting the idea that he knows the list and and the rules way better than me. I have no qualms with the actual rules. I just have a problem with if he's going to make a list and then he's going to say number nine should have been number one to me. Make it number one. It's your list. It's your list, Biggie. Who's stopping you? Who made you put it nine? It's like who's making who's making Robert Sala play Zach Wilson? Who's making Biggie put rule number nine as number nine and not number one? Who's forcing him to make that decision? Who's forcing Robert Sala to play Zach Wilson when he when you know he doesn't want to? When he's telling everybody in the building it'll be a miracle to win eight games, someone's forcing him to play the quarterback. No, that was one of the things that came from that scathing story. In the athletic. I just like saying the word scathing. Scathing report. He's going around telling people it's a miracle, yet he's up there lying to us saying, oh, no, Zach's getting better. Zach, You know, someone's forcing him to play. 
And apparently someone was forcing Biggie to make rule number nine, not number one, and he clearly wanted to. He told us so. 877-337-6666. Thoughts from the road. Mike in Manhattan. What's up, Mike? Hey, Chris. What's happening, brother? What's up, man? How are you? I'm all right. Yourself? I'm doing well. How's everything? Good to hear. Good to hear. Not bad. Before I get to the Super Bowl, did you get to see, what didn't you not get to see for nominated best pictures this year for the Oscars? How many? How many did I actually get to see? Yeah, yeah. Uh, I'm honestly, I'm not even sure what's nominated. My guess is the only one, unless Barbie was nominated. I know she wasn't nominated. Right. Uh, nominated. The only movie I saw probably was um, Oppenheimer. Listen, if you get a chance, maybe Sex and you the movies for until um, to watch. Yeah, you I gotta know. watch. The, you gotta watch the holdovers. Now that's well, the Paul, one. Paul, Paul Giamatti, Giamatti. I saw the, the the trailer. He's uh he's a school teacher at like a boarding school, and everyone brilliant, goes, brilliant film. Really, was that good, huh? Yeah. Tell me uh, before I could, before I go to who do you like the Super Bowl? Who wins the Super Bowl? I I can't I can't pick against I I just can't pick against uh, uh, Mahomes again. I just can't do it. I don't know how you can do it. I, I just I think the better all overall team is the San Francisco Forty ers I think they're better. Brock didn't uh, look good in those last few games, even though they, of course, they won. But Brock yeah. wasn't all there. No, he wasn't. Um, nope. Uh, certainly, best picture. I'm trying to see. There it is. Um, I'm trying to uh, find that for you. Uh, yeah. No. Listen. He was. He was. I didn't think he was terrible against um, the Lions. I thought they got off to a slow start, but they had the game back and and tied by three minutes left. I thought he played right. relatively well. I thought against Green Bay he was terrible, and then he hey, has, he has, was, he has the one drive at the end of the game. Right, right. So I don't think he was awful in the game, uh, right. and then obviously he comes back and they within a few minutes they and you know by the the third quarter is not even over yet he's 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 gotten back that seventeen points so I don't think he was terrible I just think that against Green Bay he was and then he but even then you know he, he it wasn't any big dynamic plays but he made all the throws and he led them down the field to win the game against Green Bay. I missed what he said. Was he talking about the holdovers? Yes. Is that what he said? Great movie. Yeah, I didn't I see mean, it. I mean, I haven't seen it, but it's, it looks uh, fantastic. I really do want to see it. It's um, yeah. Paul, Paul Giamatti. Giamatti. Yeah, yep. we talk, uh, we, we, he's like a teacher at some boarding school, and he's got a student that doesn't have a family and doesn't go home, and he helps him out or whatever. So I'm, I haven't seen American Fiction. These are the uh, movies up for Best Picture. American Fiction I haven't seen. I believe it's... Um, that movie where, uh, what's his name? The he writes a, a, a book. He's an author who writes a book almost as a joke, uh, but it becomes extremely successful. I got to check it out. Um, anatomy of a fair, a fall. I have no idea. Anatomy of a fall. Never even heard of it. No. And you're right about American fiction. That's what it's about. Yeah. Uh, Barbie. I saw, I, I thought it was actually better than I thought it was going to be. It is not a best picture. Uh, it's not, it's just not, I, I only saw one other movie here. It's just not. I got to see The Holdovers. Everyone tells me. And I love Paul Giamatti. Uh, Killers of the Flower Moon. I haven't seen it yet either. I'm waiting for it to come out on, on rent uh, to be able to rent it. I haven't seen it yet, but I'm sure it's tremendous. Uh, Maestro is out now with Bradley Cooper out on. It's a Netflix movie, right? Isn't That's it? So supposed to be really good as I well. I want to see that, obviously. I saw Oppenheimer. It would be tough to beat. I thought it was spectacular. I love Christopher Nolan. Um, what's his name? The main character is incredibly good in it. Uh, just excellent, just excellent movie. So it would be tough to beat. Past Lives, I'm unaware of as well. I've never heard of it. Poor Things, 
don't know it, and The Zone of Interest. I don't know any of them. I know American Fiction, Barbie, The Holdovers, Killer Moon, Maestro, Oppenheimer. A lot of movies are up for Best Picture. And Best Actor, I mean, I wonder, is Leo up for it again or no? No. Bradley Cooper? Uh, Coleman Domingo I don't for Rustin I don't know that Paul Giamatti for best actor in the holdovers uh, is it Killian Murphy that's his name for Abenheimer? I didn't want to say it because I yeah. knew I'd probably mess it up but yeah, I think it is I think it's Killian Murphy and then Jeffrey Wright for American Fiction Jeffrey Wright who's a tremendous actor Jeffrey Wright is is a terrific actor uh, Mark in Queens what's up Mark hey T-Mex so uh, the Ten Crack Commandments yes um you know, just like Moses, it wasn't his list for the Ten Commandments. This is bigger than Biggie. You know, so he thinks number nine should be number one because these are just the Ten Crack Commandments. He was yeah. tired. You know, it's not his list. That's I, why at the beginning, yeah, be but one. at the beginning of the song, it, it kind of makes it seem like it is his list that he's okay. made these commandments. I, I just think it's bigger than him. You know what I mean? Like I understand. Tired. These are the, the game's list. <laughs> it's not his list. <laughs> I, I understand. <laughs> so I, I just wanted to throw my two uh, you got, so, yeah, th- Thank you, Mark. Yes, he came down from up on high with the the commandments. I know, uh, but it's just <laughs> of all the songs that Hamilton repurposed, I think this was the best one that they chose. This of all things, you know. Yeah, that's true. Oh my God, very funny. Eight seven seven three three seven sixty six sixty six. Actors, Biggie songs, this is what makes it with the Beatles. This is what makes up an overnight show. This is what makes the overnight special. It's what makes us a family. That's what makes us a family. So I got a few minutes here. If we want to just, uh, I guess I could talk about the WWE before it gets too serious. So obviously, if you haven't heard, if you live under a rock somewhere, Cody Rhodes has been trying to finish the, the story, which is win a championship. For a long time now. And, and let me just say something. As my kids have gotten into it, I've sort of paid attention. Cody Rhodes is like the best dude going right now. And I don't mean necessarily the best wrestler or the – he is. He's he's wildly popular. He's probably the face of of it right now at least. Um, but he's also like – we went to a couple of live shows. He's always the guy who addresses the crowd off mic – I mean off, off camera. He stayed in and signs a million things. He's going to be some guy's best man in his wedding because some guy put up a sign – like, Cody Rhodes is awesome. And to make a long story short, he's supposed he won the Royal Rumble. He's supposed to pick his championship. It's supposed to be him and Roman Reigns, who's held the belt now for three years, almost as long as anyone in history. You know, Bob Backlund. You got to go back to the last time someone held a championship this long, Hulk Hogan. And it's supposed to be him and Roman Reigns, but Roman Reigns happens to be The Rock's cousin, and The Rock is obviously the biggest star in the world and the most you know successful actor going. And they have an opportunity to bring him back. And so they're going to forego Cody Rhodes having an attempt to finish the story and bring back The Rock to face Roman Reigns at WrestleMania. And people are outraged. Absolutely outraged. It's like the biggest thing on Twitter. Last night they had a Raw. The entire crowd erupted with Rocky Sucks, which goes back to the beginning of Rocky's career when he first started as Rocky Maivia. And he was kind of this, like, you know, all-American good boy who's going to try his best and try his hardest. And he's going to... Give it 110%. Nobody liked them. And they used to have the Rocky Sucks chant. That's back when I used to watch wrestling. And so people are just outraged by it. Everybody hates it. Everyone hates the storyline. And 
while normally I do think people are crybabies, and I heard Evan, my wife actually heard a little Evan talking about it. Normally I'm one for this. I am one to go, shut up. It's The Rock and Roman Reigns. Stop complaining. The show is what it is. You know, it's really great right now. They have a ton of good people in it. The wrestling is as is in as good a place as you could possibly have it, despite the fact that, you know, Vince McMahon is dealing with this horrendous lawsuit and the accusations in it are horrendous. But like right now it's in a good spot with a lot of really great talent. And ultimately I would normally say, Oh, shut up. You're gonna get a great match either way. So but I have to admit, I have to admit, I think it sucks. I think it sucks too. I think Cody Rhodes is, is right now the face of wrestling. I watched that documentary for Cody Rhodes on Peacock. It really changed my my feeling about him. The guy is he's he took a chance. He left the company. He formed his own company. He went back. He was like a legitimate wrestler. He was never going to be the champion, but he had a career. He was going to be Stardust or whatever other character they had for him. He was going to be in WWE. He's a legacy guy. Dusty Rhodes' son. He was going to be never have to worry about a paycheck. He was he just wasn't going to be the guy. It became clear he's never going to be the guy. So he left, and he went back to wrestling in high school gymnasiums. And it, and he just went back to the beginning and then ended up starting this other company that is now you know losing terribly, but it kind of rivals WWE. And he left them to come back to WWE. He, he took a chance. He went out and remade himself, and now he's at the top of the game. And him and Roman has been built up for a year. And they're going to swoop in with The Rock, who can just go make another movie? Who's going to come in, you know, just because he's probably got nothing going on with the writer's strike. Everyone's waiting for more screenplays. So he's got he's got two months and he can come wrestle in Philadelphia for WrestleMania in April. I have to admit, I hate people who complain. I argue with Yankee fans all the time, and maybe I'll still do. I still think the reaction to the Yankees offseason is ridiculous. I I yell about it. I was upset with Burns. I was upset with some of it, but we act... Like, we're right back in the hopper after they got Soto. Oh, I love Brian. You're right. Brian Cashman, he finally stepped up. Now they go a month without doing much else, and it's like, oh, people act like it's a horrible offseason. It's not a horrible offseason. It's a great offseason. It's just not as great as I hoped it would be. Name another team in the American League that's improved themselves as much as the Yankees have. The Dodgers. The Dodgers improved themselves more. That's it. Not another team. Not yet, at least. There's still plenty of guys out there, maybe. If the Orioles go sign Snell as well, then yeah, maybe they have. But and I know they had less improving to do. I get it, but they got Juan Soto. I, I mean, it's still a pretty damn good offseason. And yeah, the Rock is still a pretty damn good option with Roman Reigns and the you know the tribal chief and all that stuff. It'll be fun. But we want Cody, and my kids want Cody, and that's what it's all about. Don't deprive my children of what they want to see. Leo Manhattan, what's up, Leo? Hey, what's going on, Chris? What's up, buddy? How are you? Not bad. How you doing? Good. Curious, curious what your thoughts are on signing Trevor Bauer to yeah. some kind of type of cheaper deal. I mean, I know they were nasty when they were together with UCLA. UCLA so yeah. I'm curious about that. Um, Leo, it's one of the more difficult questions that can be presented to me because you're right. When you say cheaper, I don't even think you realize what you mean. Because you are you are talking about possibly getting what is clearly what could be what has been a Cy Young winner, a legitimate number two. I mean, a legitimate number two behind Cole. The exactly what the Yankees need. The exact move the Yankees need, and you will get him 
for a fraction of what he is worth on the field. A fraction. You will get him, I think you'd get him for a couple million bucks. He just wants a chance to prove himself. I don't think he'd sign anything other than a one-year deal. He'd sign a one-year deal. He'd probably take low money. He wants to prove himself and get back in baseball and let people see him in a uniform and pitch, have no issues, maybe even win something, and you know, either personally or team-wise, be on a winning team, pitch in the playoffs, and then get back into the market next year. I mean, I think you can get him for something, five, seven million max. And Has there been any rumors about any? I, I haven't heard a word about anyone connected to him. Anyone, not just the Yankees, anyone. And I mean, that's the conundrum because I understand your point. I mean, I do. You would be getting a pitcher for an incredible value, an incredible value. But at the same time, yes, there is history between him and Cole. I think Cole is a big enough of a leader of this team, and enough of a. I mean, they were afraid to apparently pay Yamamoto a dollar more than him, which I think was ridiculous. I don't know. I, I don't think he would care at all. But I think he's I a big enough – I think I think Cole is a big enough leader where he would figure it out uh, and put 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 by, make bygones be bygones and go about trying what's best to win for the team. I don't even know if I necessarily hate that part of it so much other than, you know, there might be some a little bit of friction and teammates might pick up on it and just the idea that the entire team loves Cole – and you're bringing in this guy who had these horrible accusations made about him, whether he would, well, whether they were unfair or have been. I don't know if they've necessarily been proven wrong, which it's it's hard to ever prove something didn't happen, but they were certainly unable to prove it did, and everything's been dropped, and he hasn't had to pay a dollar libel in the libel suit. Nothing. He hasn't paid a dollar. Criminal charges weren't even brought up against him, but the accusations are so bad that. And 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 just previous to that, nobody liked the guy. That it's it's a real fear. And thank you for the call, Leo. It's a real fear of bringing in a a dynamic into the clubhouse you don't want. It's a real fear. Now, for me, like, could you make the case that at the money you're going to give him, it's worth the chance? And then if it proves to be this kind of issue in the clubhouse, you just cut bait. Like if you sign him for seven million dollars, let's say you get him for seven million, and I, I'd be, I'm telling you, I think you can get him certainly under ten million dollars. I think he just wants a chance to come pitch for the Yankees, a playoff team, to go pitch at Yankee Stadium, high profile like that, and be part of a staff with Garrett Cole, and you know win games with this Yankee team and pitch in the playoffs for the Yankees. I think he would take seven million dollars or five million dollars. I think he would. Might even take less than that. I, it's hard to judge what the market's going to be, but it's going to be less than Severino. And it's going to be, you know, less than a lot of pitchers. But, and and then if you get to a point where it is a distraction to the team and it feels like it's go, it's turning the worm the wrong way in the clubhouse, you cut bait. But it's tough. I don't know how I feel about it. I'll be honest. This is one, you know, I know we're, we're sports radio hosts and I'm supposed to have some strong opinion on everything I say. I got to be honest. I don't know how I feel about Bowers being a Yankee. I don't know how I feel about it. I do believe he deserves a second chance. Again, there's text messages, there's pictures. Um, he nothing was he was not even charged criminally, and he and he got out of that lawsuit and settled that lawsuit without having to pay a dollar. So I mean, he was not found guilty in any way, shape, or form on any of these charges. But they're still out there. He's been a jerk. He has sent, you know, I don't want to say sent, but he has encouraged some of his Twitter followers to attack female reporters who wrote stories negatively about him. Like there's been other issues 
And besides that, he's also genuinely disliked throughout all of baseball. I mean, you've seen other guys step back into clubhouses. Herman stepped back into the Yankee clubhouse. O- other guys have had issues. Uh, Ozuna with, with Atlanta has had issues. A, a domestic violence issue, a drunk driving issue, right back into the clubhouse. Nobody says anything. You know, with Bowers, or with Bauer, excuse me, the Dodgers almost universal, universally said, get him off the team. I, I He's just, I don't know. I don't know. But are you t- a cheap option to get a number two is exactly what the Yankees need. It's exactly what they need. But it's hard to go. It's hard to get there. And I'd be shocked if the Yankees do it. But it's a it's it's the biggest. It's honestly the toughest question right now that I on and on any level in any sport any of our teams. I usually have a pretty good answer for everything, at least an opinion on it. What should the Giants do? Draft a quarterback. I could be dead wrong, but that's my opinion. I feel pretty strongly about it. The Knicks should make a trade. We'll get to that, too. The Knicks should absolutely make a trade to get another scorer in here. I'm not worried about the chemistry. I believe in what the, I believe in the vibe and the culture being built right now by the head coach. I believe they understand exactly what they need. I have faith they'll make the right move, and I think they need one because they need another scorer. I like McBride. I like Deuce. I do, but he's not the guy. I want someone who can run it as well as score. I want to run the offense with, without Brunson. I want to be able to get my own shot uh, from that. You know, I want him to be able to run the offense, get his own shot, be able to shoot the three. I want all of it. And I'm, and McBride just isn't it. So I, I, I want the Knicks to make another trade. It doesn't have to be you know, Murray out of uh, Atlanta. It, it can be Brogdon. It can be you know, Clarkson in Utah. It could be some of these different guys. It doesn't have to be... Uh, you know, the best player available, but I do want to move. But when it comes to what should the Yankees do or what should anyone do with Bauer, I don't know what to say because I do believe in second chances, but doesn't have to be here. 877-337-6666. McMonagle here with you. We'll come back and finish our last hour. We'll take you to the warm-up show at 5, continue to take your phone calls on all the different things We've gotten to this morning. I see Eric wants to talk about WrestleMania. We'll get to it. I'm excited about it. I have to admit, my kids have gotten me back into it. I'm all in. I'm all in on the wrestling. We watch it every, like tomorrow, they go to sleep so they can't watch all of Raw. So we'll watch the rest of Raw tomorrow. I didn't see the end of Raw. I saw the opening uh, segment where it was one of the best troll jobs I've ever seen. The um, A t-shirt that was worn was one of the was one of the best troll jobs we've ever seen. Maybe I'll get into it with Eric. 877-337-6666. McBonagle here with you for another hour right here on The Fan.